Hey moms, welcome back to the Expecting Mom podcast. I am coming at you today with part four of my mini birth series that I used as the like kickoff to my launch of Unmedicated Academy. And this is long overdue. I <laughs> did these live on Instagram. So maybe you saw them over there. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time here. But my plan was to bring these mini trainings over to the podcast before I open the doors to my course. And that just <laughs> did not happen. So the doors are open to Unmedicated Academy. I have 12 moms in there and our first baby is about to be born any day now. And I'm just now getting to part four <laughs> of our mini birth series. So if you missed it, episode eight, nine, and 10 are the first three, and I cover what's, what is physiological birth, why you need to know about evidence-based care, and about the cascade of interventions. And this episode is going to be on the four rules of labor positioning. And this is something that I created um, just from my doula experience, my experience giving birth, having an unmedicated hospital birth. And the way I teach it, is I teach you four things to remember, four things to remember when you're in labor, instead of having to like memorize positions or remember different positions. Um, it's just the four rules. So it's, I'm trying to simplify it because birth is so intuitive that you don't want to overthink it. First of all, your thinking brain gets shut off in labor. So you're not going to be able to think about much. And the second thing, like I already said, birth is so intuitive that if we just listen to our body, it will tell us what we what we need. It'll tell us what it wants for us to birth our babies. So these four rules kind of just simplify it and keeps keeps a few key things front of mind. Uh, when you're managing labor. So these are really important things for you to know and really important for your partner to know to help facilitate managing unmedicated labor. So what are the four rules? Intuition, movement, gravity, and pelvis open. That's it. Those four, four rules. And I'm going to touch on each of those just a little bit. Inside of Unmedicated Academy, I do go over more positions, not for you to memorize, but just to give you some ideas um, of how the rules can apply to specific positions with visuals and that sort of thing. So obviously via podcast, I can't give you any visuals, but I'll name a few. And I mean, they're pretty obvious when you hear the name. So let's start with the first one, which I've said a couple of times already in the few minutes that we've been on here is intuition. So again, our body tells us what to do. Birth is so intuitive. Women can just, I mean, we're mammals. We just give birth when we need to give birth. You don't have to tell a woman what to do. The problem is we overthink it or we go into the hospital where people are telling us what to do and it goes against everything that's physiological. That's another story for another day. But if you know me, you know I'm very passionate about that. But our bodies will tell us what to do. And whatever feels good is what your body needs. And it's wild because right down to like the way you sway. So let's say a mom is on all fours, like hands and knees position. And 
you know, from that position, you can either rock front to back or kind of sway your hips side to side. And those two movements open different parts of your pelvis and women will intuitively do the one that is right for the stage of labor that they're in. So if you just can let go and tap into that primal brain, that primal side of your brain, turn off the overthinking part and the logical side of your brain, tap into your intuition, your body's going to do exactly what it needs to do to bring your baby into this world. So always, always keep your intuition in mind and do what feels right to you. The second rule is movement. So of course, I mean, if you've ever seen a mom labor and maybe you have never seen a mom labor, I mean, if you think of Hollywood depiction of labor, the woman's just laying in the bed. But if you've ever seen a woman out of bed in labor, they, they tend to have a lot of movement and a lot of rhythm. There's rhythm in our breathing. There's rhythm in the way we sway and move our body. And it's movement is really important. It it helps baby move through the birth canal. So again, like the rocking back and forth and the swaying side to side is your body's way of giving your baby what your baby needs. And laying on your back is honestly the worst thing for labor. So always, always movement. And you can you can take relaxing positions too that still use movement. Like you don't have to be on your feet. You can be kneeling, you can be leaning and still have some movement and some rhythm in your positioning. The third rule, gravity. So gravity can, just like movement, can help bring the baby down and out. So gravity is, if you think of being upright and baby is moving with gravity through the birth canal versus laying on your back, right? Also, when someone is upright to give birth, there's there's less of a risk of compressing the mother's aorta versus laying down does compress, which means there's a better oxygen supply to the baby, which means baby can, one, move better through the birth canal, and two, we're not having any fetal distress issues here when we are upright. So there's lots of benefits to upright, being upright in labor and also being upright while pushing. Um, Being upright also helps the uterus contract more effectively and strongly, and it can help get baby in a better position to, one, help your cervix dilate. So if baby's in a good position, your cervix will dilate faster, and two, a better position for passing through the pelvis. So it really matters to the way baby is facing and being upright and having movement helps with that optimal positioning. So positions that use gravity could be um, standing. There's a position called slow dancing. A lot of our laboring positions use all the rules. So slow dancing is something you would do with your partner where you have your arms around your partner and you can kind of lean into them and you're using movement and you're using gravity. Um, you can lean on a birth ball. You can use the hospital bed and like maneuver the bed, like drop the feet and put the head up to kind of lean on the bed. Um, squatting, any squatting positions also use gravity. Um, the next rule, the last one is pelvis open. So MRI studies have shown that compared to laying positions, like back laying positions, the dimensions of the pelvic outlet become wider in a squatting or a kneeling or a hands and knees position. So 
opening the pelvis is only going to make it easier for baby in all stages of labor. So in early labor helps the baby engage and then in active labor and in transition helps baby move. I mean, baby has to move through your whole pelvis. Um, so having that pelvis open is a really important rule. And you just want to keep that front of mind when you're thinking about moving your body. And so some positions that use pelvis open, it's really anything that you have uneven hips with. So lunges are really great for opening the pelvis. So being in a lunge and you can lunge in different ways. Like you can be standing and then like have your foot up on a chair. That would be a lunge. You can be sitting on a birth ball with one leg kicked straight out towards the side and you are kind of putting a little movement into the other leg, like a lunging movement. You can do a lunge on the birth ball. Um, You can be on all fours. So think hands and knees on the ground or on the bed and you can take one of your legs and put your foot flat on the floor, kind of like a runner's lunge would be, but you don't have to bring your knee all the way up to your chest because obviously you have a big belly in the way, but just kicking that foot out to the side helps create that uneven hips, which helps open up our pelvis. And then you can also do this in resting positions. So if you ever have to be in bed, so let's say you are confined to bed for some reason, side lying with the top knee to your chest helps open your pelvis. And there's other ways you can use like a peanut ball to keep your pelvis open. Squatting is really great too in, in keeping your pelvis open. And then the other trick that we that is great for active labor, for transition, for birthing, so it opens up the bottom of your pelvis, the outlet of your pelvis, and that's called Kiko. Well, Kiko is the, uh, is the acronym for it, K-I-C-O, and it's knees in, calves out. And what that does is that opens up the bottom of your pelvis to let baby through the outlet. Um, and those are the four rules. So these same rules apply to every stage of labor. So as soon as you start to feel contractions, you can start to incorporate movement and gravity and hips open and intuition to bring baby through the birth canal. And then when things get more challenging, movement and changing positions can help you cope. It's really common to get like stuck when things get hard to like freeze up and tense up. So movement can help also relax us because it you can't keep your muscles super tight if you're having some movement. Um, and the same rules apply to the second stage of labor, aka the pushing stage. And you guys know I don't like to call it the pushing stage because I teach my moms how to not push during the second stage of labor, but it's most commonly called the pushing stage. So I tend to call it that sometimes. Most people who give birth vaginally in the U.S. in hospitals report that they push, so second stage of labor, and birth their baby lying on their backs. 68% of women birthing in hospitals push out their baby on their backs, probably doing coached pushing, which you guys know I don't like, or in a semi-sitting lying position. So where they're in the bed still on their backs, but they're not like flat on their backs. They have the, the back of the bed up 23%. And then a small minority push and give birth in other positions like side lying, which is 3%. 
squatting or sitting, which is 4%, hands and knees positions, 1%. So you can see that a majority of women birthing in hospitals give birth on their back, either lying flat on their back or in a semi-sitting. And honestly, if you are having to lay on your back, side-lying is the best because it gives your... um, sacrum more room to open up that like tailbone bone has to move out of the way for the baby. So sidelining is actually better. Um, and now if you talk to midwives, midwives generally don't coach moms on what to do for pushing. And most women without being told what to do will birth in a hands and knees position. It's very intuitive to birth that way. Yet in the hospital, 68% and 23%, so more, (laughs) almost 90%, sorry, 91% of women are giving births on their back. Sorry, I got so loud there. (laughs) Um, Why? Like, why the heck is that happening? Well, it's thought that most women are encouraged to push, which they are encouraged to push, there's a lot of coach pushing, but on their backs because that is more convenient for the care provider. It's easier for them to see what's going on if you are up on a table with your legs in the air. Um, They're pushing this way. One coached pushing is going to cause more stress for you and for baby, more chance of tearing. It puts weight on your tailbone. Your tailbone, your sacrum bone cannot move out of the way. All for the convenience of the freaking provider. (laughs) It makes me so mad. Um, So consider not lying on your back ever in birth. And if you do want to lie down to rest, still practice gravity by being semi-sitting, have your hips open. Um, Another reason why so many women birth on their backs is because a lot of women in the U.S. have epidurals. So I think it's like 60 some odd percent of women Birthing in the hospital will have an epidural. So they are told they have to be on their back, which you don't have to. You can advocate for different positions in bed. You can get on all fours with the epidural as long as you can hold yourself up. So that's the problem is we don't know how epidurals are going to act. Um, it just depends on that epidural cocktail, how strong they make it, how long you've had it. Um, how much control you have, but ideally the epidural would be like a lower epidural or what we sometimes call a walking epidural. And you would be allowed to like flip over if you wanted to and birth on all fours still with the support of the bed. So you're, you know, cause that risk is that you could fall. But the whole point of that I was getting to is that women who have epidurals, which is most are told they have to stay on their back for safety and this just becomes the default. The provider is used to saying, oh, okay, we're going to have our baby lay. You know, you're already on your back. Let's lay you on your back. Plus, you know, the cer- cervical check. You're technically, they will be like, oh, we have to check your cervix for you to push. Lay on your back. And that's how they get you in the bed. So keep that in mind. All reasons that you end up in the bed, but you should never be in the bed um, while you're birthing. One, I think it's really uncomfortable, but it's just not helpful for the physiological birth process. So bottom line is you should be up out of bed. You should be moving. You should be upright. You should be using gravity and movement and your intuition and hips open. 
through every stage of labor. And if for whatever reason you're being told that you can't do those things, you really need to advocate for them. Of course, if you've had any sort of medication or other interventions, it becomes more difficult. So keep that in mind that that's one of the reasons why um, we promote unmedicated is because that gives you more access to supporting physiological birth. So I hope that's helpful. And that was the last one in the mini birth series. Let me know what topics you want to hear about next.